0: Hey there, Eyes Free Sports fans. Kickstart your health and wellness journey with a twist. Introducing Couch to Active, where health and fitness for the blind and visually impaired community finally gets the fun treatment it deserves. Couch to Active offers personalized one on one coaching, exciting group classes on Zoom, and expert guidance in weight management. It's not just about getting fit, it's about having a blast while doing it. I've personally tried their classes and have thoroughly enjoyed them. Don't miss out on the fun. Join the Couch to Active community today and start your journey to a healthier and happier you. Learn more at couchtoactive.com, couchtoactive.com, or call 206-672-2070, 206-672-2070. Couch to Active, where fitness and fun go hand in hand. Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to episode 102 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. This is your host, Greg Lindberg. Here on episode 102, we are joined by a young man from the Great North, from Canada. And he is a blind skateboarder, hip-hop artist, and overall super cool guy. So let's go ahead now and whip out the skateboard, head over to the skate park, and get skating into episode 102 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. All right, so joining me here on this episode of the podcast is Brett Devlo, aka The Blind Kid. Brett, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat today. I know you have a really awesome story. You've already done some amazing things in your life. Uh, so super excited to get into it here. So why don't we kick things off just with your early years as far as where you were born and your childhood.
1: I was born in Manitoba, a province in Canada, middle of the country, cold as heck. It's uh, I was born at a hospital, St. Boniface in Winnipeg. And... Lived in a small town, moved out of the city, lived in a small town most of my life. I was a country kid, so skateboarding did not come by uh, any ease, you know. It wasn't like, oh, my friends down the street were skateboarding. It's like, no, no, no. We lived on gravel. I genuinely waited till the the road froze to a sheet of ice and went out there because that was the closest thing I was going to get to concrete. And I skateboarded on that or my uh, sidewalk that went from the garage to the house, which was like 10 feet by two feet and every single sidewalk panel was lifting so you had to be going real fast and land your tricks real fast just so you didn't catch an edge but yeah i grew up there my mom and dad really really awesome sick people gerald and heather shouts out to them yeah that's pretty much what the beginning was like i moved out to vancouver when i was 22 so now i'm living out here but yeah i grew up in the cold and the snow
0: gotcha yep yep winter boy sounds like (laughs) winter kid (laughs) yep um, so as far as sports, just talk to me a little more about, you know, sports you played as a kid and I'm sure a lot of winter stuff in addition to skateboarding, right?
1: Yeah, we there was some snowboarding going on. I played hockey since I was probably six, six or seven and um, did some summer sports too, like baseball, but I was a kid, you know, I was always just put into sports for my parents. I never played soccer, but putting the sports for my parents because their other kids are doing it and stuff like that. They're trying to get me friends and all that stuff, but I was never really one for the conformative team sports with the rules and all that. I always had my skateboard and it always made sense. And uh, that's, that's, that's just me though. I know there's other sports out there, even for blind people that are like blind baseball, beat baseball and hockey and all that. But I've always just known that skateboarding is the one that one makes sense. And, um, I quit hockey when I was like maybe 15, but way before 15. Oh my goodness, probably like 11 or something like that. I, maybe not way before, but I just remember not even being in hockey when I was in like middle school or high school when all my buddies are like hockey bros, you know, because that's pretty much all you are in Manitoba. You're you're, you're a hockey bro, or you're a hockey bro. <laughs> not much else, not much other choice you have. But when it comes right. to sports, yeah, it's just been skateboarding. That's been the constant, constant my whole life. And uh, I played basketball, played hockey, played baseball. All of them were just like, and I was never big enough for football.
0: Gotcha, gotcha.
1: <laughs> a little guy. And
0: then, yo, yo, how tall are you?
1: Oh man, I'm five six. I'm a five six giant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nice. Five six, like and I'm it. like, uh, for the longest time, I was like 120 pounds soaking wet, but apparently, getting married, that's 30 pounds on you. <laughs> True.
0: If not more, you're lucky only 30.
1: So far, it was only in July. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice,
1: nice. My wife's a good cook.
0: <laughs> I, I can tell. <laughs> Is she vis- visually impaired as well?
1: Or? No, no, she can see. She's uh, she's fully sighted. I I'm the only blind one in my kind of circle that I see regularly or that I hang out with in person. I've got blind friends that were they're a little bit all over the map. You know, I got friends all over America. They're visually impaired. Some in Texas, some in Iowa, some in California and Arizona, and I got um. I got like one blind friend in BC where I live now, but he's like eight hours away because I provinces you could fit like eight states in one province.
0: <laughs> wow. Yep. Except for
1: Florida and California, you can fit like one of those. <laughs> sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so then speaking of your blindness, your visual impairment, um, so it was a pretty sudden uh, occurrence that you had in your life as far as going blind, right?
1: Yeah, it was. I it came extremely out of nowhere i had no idea i was gonna go blind and uh i was sitting in the middle of history class writing the notes on the overhead and if an overhead like for for the kids watching it's like projector but old um (laughs) and uh if you don't if you know if you don't know you gotta use dials on them to focus it and that like turns the angle of the mirror and the position of the magnifying glass and what that does is makes the words on the overhead on the screen a little more focused or not focused. And, well, when I was sitting in history class, all the lights were off and it's just the overhead and I saw it go out of focus. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll wait for him to fix that. And I just put my pencil down and took a little bit. No one was fixing it. And I looked at the person beside me and I'm like, can you read that? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, just me. So I just quit writing <laughs> the notes because, well. I already didn't want to write them. And then at lunchtime, I just kind of left. I walked to the eye doctor by myself just because I knew where it was. I lived in a small town. And in my head, I wasn't thinking, oh, my God, you're blind. Oh, my God, you're blind. I wasn't very observative, which is kind of funny. Um, When I could see, now I'm not. Uh, I walked to the eye doctor by myself though, and I'm standing in the lobby of the eye doctor and I'm like, hey, can I get an appointment? And she's like, well, your eye doctor is actually in town and she's only in town one day out of every like four weeks. And uh, oh, I'm like, wow. yo, can I get, yeah, can I get an appointment then? She's like, yeah, come back at 2.30. And I wasn't the brightest. I was too dumb and in shock to go, actually, I'm going blind right now. May I have an appointment now? I'm just like okay I'll see you at 2 30 and I walked back to cl- school went into class I had one of those notes and you know like you remember being in school and seeing the kids with the notes all the time they're just like leaving class all the time and it's like oh man I'm so jealous of that kid with the note he's always out of class yeah I wasn't jealous with the of the kid with the note anymore because I was the kid with the note and my note said you're blind uh not a fun note so I walked up to the teacher I'm like hey I gotta leave at two thirty or 2 o'clock because I got an eye appointment he's like oh are you okay and I'm like uh yeah i'm just whoa can't see and that's when it kind of hit me and he's like what are you all right i'm like yeah i gotta go <laughs> so i made it to the eye doctor and at this point i hadn't told anybody even like not anybody not even my mom I didn't call anybody you know what i mean it was, it was all happening so fast so i walked back to the eye doctor and i'm like hey check me out so we do all the tests like everything from the little uh how uh Hot air balloon at the end of the road thing that you look in the eye holes and see if you could see it. I couldn't see that. Um, the lights in the machine where they're trying to test you for uh, glaucoma or something like that, where they do the puff of air and you. I couldn't see that. So we go to the chair, and she's like, okay, hey, read these letters, you know. And you know the big-ass E on the top of the, the chart? Yeah, couldn't see that. So she's getting serious. She's losing it. Right. My eye doctor, Dr. Dunford shouts out to Dr. Dunford. (laughs) She, um, calls my mom and I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. She, I'm going to get in trouble now. Right. And I don't know why that was my first thought. Um, I call my. She calls my mom. And she's like, "This is not small. This is big. You have to go see this specialist, this specialist, this specialist. The eye doctors, ophthalmologists, ophthalmologists, optometrists, neurologists, general specialists. I, everything, right?" And they said they had me check and seeing all these people over. Like, my mom says it wasn't eight months, but I tell everyone it was eight months because that's how long it felt, and it could have been three or four. But it took a long time for them to diagnose me, and like um, I was going through blood work, tons of blood work, and a neurologist poking me with his finger and a paper clip and oh mm, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the all the things where it's like, Okay, it's my eyes, bro. Wrong, wrong place. <laughs> eyes. So they, they're obviously trying to test for nerve damage and stuff like that. I understand what they're doing, but at the same point, it's like, come on. I'm seeing people who go blind with this exact same DNA mutation, and they get figured out in a month, not even. I just remember the day I was sitting there in, uh, in the eye doctor's office, and he's like, Dr. Clark, he's like... Uh, Okay, we'll t- we'll test you for this, but if it comes back positive, it won't come back positive. If it comes back positive, go buy a lottery ticket, because this is the most rare thing that could happen, pretty much. I'm like, okay, cool. Test me for it. A few weeks later, I get the news that it came back positive, and I had uh, what was called a DNA mutation called Lieber's Hereditary Optical Neuropathy, which I'm pretty sure... If I've re- heard correctly, you and I are in the same family. You got Lieber's congenital amaurosis. Am I right? You're right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, that's crazy. I've got a couple of friends with that as well. And it's pretty much we, you and I have the same vision. It just yours was from birth and mine was random is what I'm pretty sure is the difference. But I could be wrong.
0: Right. And your condition is it kind of known to just pop up all of a sudden then? Is it yeah. more so like that?
1: Yeah, very much like that. Very random. And like I've got friends who have the same thing as I and they lost their vision in like when they're like thirty two or like forty hmm. and I was sixteen.
0: Right. Wow. Yeah. And you I think I had read you did actually get your license and you were did you actually drive at one point? Or mm-hmm. started to drive?
1: Oh yeah. I had my own car. I um yeah, when you grow up in the country, you get your own car pretty much fifteen. And then you fix it until you're sixteen and you can drive it. <laughs> so right. me and my dad or my dad bought me um a nineteen ninety-four Sunfire Pontiac. And
0: uh ooh, ooh.
1: Yeah, she was a nice <laughs> ugly burnt orange and I was with my friend when my dad and his dad bought it from the auction or something like that. Either way, my buddy is telling me, he's like, oh, dude, your dad got you a sick car, man. It's got a spoiler. Like He's trying to talk it up. And I don't know. I didn't, I had no idea yet. I get home and it's a friggin' Sunfire. <laughs> <laughs> like a total beater. And so we, we, have, we worked on it. We fixed it. I was driving since I was like 13, you know. I, I, got, yeah. I learned how to drive in the country, an old farm truck, but uh, when I went blind, right before I went blind, I had my license, I had my car, had a job, uh, I was doing pretty all right with school, kind of just lost it all, you know? Uh, the car, I, we kept the car for a while in hopes that I'd get my vision back, but after like four years, my ex-girlfriend stole it. Um, but when I... <laughs> When I had it, though, me and my friends were still driving it. I drove it blind a couple of times, but it, yeah, I just kind of lost it all. I lost my job because uh, they, they could, didn't think I could, I don't know, stock shelves blind. I was just working at the bargain shop. I was working or I was, school was still okay. <laughs> and I paid to, or I signed and paid for my license for three years after that, though, just because I thought it'd be funny to show up places blind with a license. Cause there's right. definitely been times with friends drinking and stuff like that going, Hey, uh, anybody who's the most sober one here and I'll lift my hand. Cause I would have just showed up or something. We're like, like we're out of beer. And it's like, can you drive? Oh, well, I have a license <laughs> and I am, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Go. so I no longer have a license or a car or a job. Well, I can't have a job. But...
0: Right. And then just as far as education, I'm curious, did you stay in the same school or what kind of happened?
1: I actually did because when I grew up, there wasn't an option. I was in halfway through grade 11. So I only had a year and a half left. So there wasn't almost much point. No one saw a point in it. I would have been, I think I would have benefited from it, but there wasn't much of a point in going to a school for the blind and visually impaired. And the only one around was like a province and a half over. So it wasn't even close. I'd have to go and like board there and like all of that. So I I just stuck in my school and they had a lady come out from the Manitoba education for disabilities board and uh, or with disabilities, whatever. Come out and like one for an hour every second day. And I mean, like every second day on like the weeks on the um, your school schedule week. So it was like two to three times a week. She'd be out there teaching me things. And it was more just basic braille. I got to try a MacBook for like a week or two, taught me how to walk around with my cane and just, just basic blind things. And it was really helpful. I definitely could have probably benefited from more, but yeah, that's what I stuck around that school. And then like five years, six years later, I went to college. So I graduated high school when I was 17. And then I went to college when I was probably 22 or 23 out in Vancouver here. and then. COVID happened when I was just about to finish and it was right when I had my practicum. And when I had my practicum, I didn't finish. I I dropped out of college. I didn't want to, um, they just wanted me to pay them to do a practicum in an industry that was the music industry during COVID, which means there was no industry. It was entertainment industry. Everything got shut down during COVID. So I couldn't actually do my practicum. They wanted me to just sit there and like pay them $2,500 to say that, Brett Devlo manage the blind kid. And that would have been fine. They all signed the papers. They said that that would work, but I was willing to do that when I could just pretty much spend the next three months of that time, strictly working on my career as the blind kid and like going to shows and doing shows and writing, recording music and getting podcasts and stuff like that would have been considered actual schoolwork technically. And I would have been able to Mm -hmm. sign off on that and that would have been great. But then their COVID happened, everything shut down, and they're like, yeah, still pay us $2,500 to sit there and do nothing. So I'm like, well, no.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely yeah. can see why. Yeah. That's, no, not, yeah. not cool.
1: No. I'm like, dude, barely taught me, so. <laughs> no, <laughs> Not a big shouts out to Capilano University. But big shouts Ooh. out to Warren Dean Flanders and Erica. They were the best teachers I had.
0: Nice. Just, and so, was that like a recording arts program you were in, or what was the um, actual name of it?
1: It was actually for AEM, artist and entertainment management. So they did like hmm. tour management, venue management, artist management, artist development, theater management, festival management, just all the little, all the things like that, and kind of gave you a little bit of a lowdown on how to do them. It's really cool, and really good uh, program, and I bet you it would have been really beneficial if it happened when I, when COVID wasn't started and. It seems like the kind of program where you need your entire class to actually want to do it and not just think that it's something they like, because lots of the projects and stuff was like, do this and help somebody in your in your class actually achieve something. I was the only one who was actually a musician and trying to learn this stuff at the same time, and they all had like opportunities to do projects on me. Like one of the main, one of the only uh, projects was get Brett uh, figure out how Brett could promote a single, and they were all just so terrible <laughs>
0: <laughs> dang
1: yeah i'm like there's some things are like oh try and get it into uh commercials or something like that it's like i don't know right do, do you have the thousands of dollars just to approach a car dealership
0: Yup. <laughs> yup. <Yo, yo. laughs>
1: but either way it was it was it was a good experience i learned enough for myself to learn and you know what they say about college it's really just a place to network and learn and meet people that'll help you who are like-minded and i I definitely did find some of them
0: true those connections that's yeah really what it's all about
1: yeah and dorms were awesome (laughs) i think i did college right (laughs) in the dorms that's for sure (laughs) (laughs)
0: lived it up
1: That's actually where I started recording a lot of my music and stuff. Was in the dorms. I set up a little studio in my dorm room.
0: Sweet, very cool.
1: Yep. And kept doing a lot of my my uh, skateboarding was while well, I was in college as well. But I was doing some lots of skating. Like, at the tennis court and stuff like that. But it's where I was easier to find some sponsors and stuff. Like I had a sponsor from like when I was eighteen and went down to California. My like first time, first time I ever went down to LA. Because I was always infatuated with L.A. like most pe- most musicians skateboarders are from Canada and mostly anybody yep. who's not from L.A. <laughs> Until you go to L.A. enough times and realize it's not what it's cracked up to be. But we were uh, I went down there and I went to like this county fair with a friend I met online because she saw me on TV and we ended up becoming friends. And we uh, I went down to L.A. to go hang out with her. And her and her family took me to a county fair. And in my head, I'm like, I, whatever, it's just a county fair, forgetting we're in L.A., and everything's big time. So we're there, and she's like, oh, you want to go look at this? Uh, Taylor's her name. She's like, you want to go look at this um uh, skateboard booth? And I'm like, yes, sure, I guess. Like, it's a, it's, a, it's a fair. It can't be that cool. We go there, and I'm like, forgot we're in Cali. Like, this is Real. I'm feeling these boards and this guy comes up to me. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm just checking out your boards. He's like, no, no, no. What are you doing? He sees me there with my cane and like just clearly blind feeling up his skateboards. And he's like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm just checking it out. And then my friend Taylor, she's like, he's the best blind skateboarder in the world. Blah, 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 blah. He can do this. He skates with no cane. He skates with no sight. He does handstands and tripe flips. And I'm like, Stan, there going just sheepish. stand. like, yeah, it's not, it's not wrong. And then he's like, Oh my God, here, take this board, take this hat. What size shoes are you? Take these, take this shirt. I just sponsored you. I'm like, oh. And then for the next like year or so, he sent me packages of just like gear boards. And I just gave it away to people to set, to spread the love, you know. And I had a skateboard. Mine worked, so I was good. And I just made boards for other people, taught other people how to skate with them and uh, that, that's what I did it for. That's why I wanted to sponsor though. I didn't, I like, I made sure I was good. And then I wanted to give it to everyone else to teach. Cause
0: everyone's Right, Kind of giving back. Yo, yeah. Nice. And I'm definitely curious, just the transition from being a fully sighted skateboarder to losing your vision and kind of how that changed your approach, if much at all.
1: As a sighted skateboarder, I was all right. When I was younger, I think I was a lot better because I was able to spend more time doing it what I could see my go-to tricks was like a heel flip and a vario kick flip jumping over and shove it, jumping over stairs and like that. And now my, uh, after losing my vision and I remember, I remember very specifically, my very first thing I wanted to do was skate. As soon as I realized I'm blind, you know, and I remember there was a skate park. I was monitoring the progress of an indoor park in Winnipeg. And, uh, it was. I was watching like every day on the internet, checking out the progress of it. I'm like, oh, cool. Now they're making the bowl. Oh, now they're making this. Oh, it's almost done. And then I lost my vision, can't keep the project uh, progress up. And then like two months later, they finished it. And my buddies were like, oh, let's go to the indoor park. And I'm like, yeah. My dad's like, uh, no. And I'm like, oh, why? And he's like, you're gonna get hurt. And I'm like, but you let me go to the snowboard hill. He's like, do you want me to say no to that too? I'm like, nope. Can you take me there, please? So. <laughs> my dad was just worried i was gonna get hurt like all all respect to my dad because he's he was only looking out for me i understand that now then different story (laughs) i'm like yeah well dad you know what when the snow melts i'll be skateboarding and uh he's like if i see you on that skateboard i'll snap it i'm like i'll get another one (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it was good. It was good times. Uh, I still skateboarded. And then it got to the point like a movie one day, like classic 80s movie. He's motorcycled to the skate park. No one there. Just me landing everything like way more than usual. I'm like doing kick flips over the bank and landing them. And then uh, he walks in. He's like, you ready to go? I'm like, how long were you there? He's like, long enough. And it was like a movie. (laughs) (laughs) but now that I've lost my vision skateboard and I still skateboard it was it was magic like I remember when the snow was still out and I remember waiting trying to wait 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 wait, wait for the snow to melt to go skate and I'm like I can't wait any longer I went up to the janitor at the school and I'm like Do you have a snow shovel I can use he's like yeah do it as in I don't want to shovel you shovel I'm like okay so I shoveled the sidewalk out back and it was like maybe a 15 foot sidewalk by three foot wide you know just not that big, just just said sidewalk. And that's where I threw the board down the first time stepped on it. I felt like a home and just kept, I, that's where I skated for the first like year being blind there. And like streets didn't go to a skate park or anything like that. Just, Kept it to the sidewalk, practicing my tricks, keeping them real tight, jumping over some things. But it was every lunch hour I was there putting it down. I'm supposed to be studying for my exams. I had a friend just yelling questions to me while I'm skateboarding. That's where I landed my first handstand, my first tray flip. My my first a lot of things were landed there, you know. And it it was a really cool spot. And uh it's in a lot of my skate videos, actually. You see it, the the Music and Science Center of the Stonewall Collegiate Institute, uh, the high school I went to. And then I moved over to skate parks. And when I skated a skate park, it definitely is its hard. Especially if there's nobody there, it's a little bit easier because I get to have the um, freedom to feel it around a bit. But I really just start in a corner and spread out or start with one piece, practice it a bit, spread out, spread out, and start being able to do more things at the park. If it's a really light colored skate park, like like white concrete, I, I bring black gorilla glue tape. I know it's, it's super expensive and like a really terrible way to use it because I just put it on the ground and walk away. But it's really, really black and it sticks to the ground no matter what. So I, I use that tape and I'll put like a line on uh, like little checks almost on the um, hyphens, if you will. On the uh, transitions from like, say, if it's going to be a quarter pipe going up to right on the bottom, I'll put a line and maybe at the top by the coping, I'll put a line and on the edges where I shouldn't go too far left or too far right, put a line. And it's just for the last second where my vision will catch it. And then I, I I have to have really quick reflexes and just use that last second. Okay, there's a mark. Okay, bend knees. Okay, you're going up the quarter pipe. Can't coping. Can't come back down and stay in the in between the other two lines. And I gotta do that for anything I'm doing at the park, whether it be uh, stairs. And if I don't have that, I'll just throw my backpack and my other shoes down, and just like make it as little markers. I like to have as much markers as I can, and just pretty much skateboard matrix style, go between the lines, or Tron, I guess. I don't know. But it's uh, when I just use my skate on my backpack or my my shoes, that's always worked for me as well. But it's pretty much just the biggest amount of contrast. I don't usually use anything audible. Cause that just throws me off. Yeah. I'm actually going to be hopefully helping build a, a skate park, indoor skate park soon that I get to make sure it's all accessible and contrasty, but that's pretty much how it goes with me. Skateboarding. I can still jump over stairs. I still love doing that. There's one skate video where I just was skating almost every day of the summer. And I got so ballsy. There's this, I did a six foot spine transfer over a volcano, which is like something if I could see, I would just skate by and laugh at why they'd even put it at a skate park. And one time I'm blind to the park and I felt it and I'm like, hmm, I could probably do that. I back up and I yell at my friend, I'm like, film this. And I jump on my board or I run, jump on my board and almost make it over. And I'm like, oh, I could definitely do that. And I do it again. I clear it. I land it. And I grab my board in the air and I did a trick and I landed it. We got it on video and it's in my skate video. And let me tell you has not gotten the true amount of love it deserves. Just that clip. I don't care about the rest of the video. It's got a decent amount of views, like 10,000 views, but that clip deserves more love, in my opinion.
0: (laughs) For for sure. Hey, hopefully this podcast and some extra promo here will will get that over the top. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, I know you did mention uh, that you pretty much don't use a cane. Have you ever tried using your cane to skate?
1: When I skate? I've used it sometimes, but I don't like to purely because in my own head, I know that it's technically showboating. It's not like I don't need it. It does like only when I scan it. It's not because I've got enough vision It's purely because I don't. That's just not my style. That's not how mm. I do it. Like I, I definitely am not sighted enough because I'm 98 percent blind. I'm not sighted enough to see like where edges are or anything like that I'm going to run into stuff. And that's a fact, but I would rather do that without a cane than with it. Just because, like, I don't know, a cane's just going to either, I'm going to crash into something that's going to jab me even harder. Or, I I don't know, lots of people can do it with a cane. Justin Bishop is one of them. He's crazy. He's doing, like, crazy stuff with a cane, but I feel like he feels the same way as I do. And it's really just a way to promote yourself when you're doing videos and stuff. Because people are going to see you doing a mediocre skateboard trick, not know you're blind, and just scroll on by. But they see a cane in the air while you're doing it, then it's like, whoa, that's amazing. And, like, I agree. Hey, hey, hey. I'm not saying that Justin Bishop doesn't need it. He might. I'm just assuming. Is what I said. Just so we're clear. Right. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I don't use a cane. I don't know. I don't think I ever could. Um, If it ever comes down to that, then I'll just stick to mini pipes and half pipes so I don't. I can't get lost. That's my opinion on that. Um, Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I. One thing that was really cool is when I was skateboarding. When I was like, I don't know, twenty. Something, I'm not sure how old I was, but I was skateboarding, and I was working on laser flips, and I landed a couple laser flips over the bank, and that got um, somehow purely by word of mouth, which is the coolest part. It wasn't anything by social media or any of that. Purely word of mouth made it to Tony Hawk, and he was coming to the my city the next day. And a buddy of mine who was at the skate park with me ran into him at the airport. And instead of talking about himself or anything, just like, dude, my blind friend I met yesterday just did this laser flip. And then I ended up meeting Tony Hawk the next day at his meet and greet. And I walk up like, hey, Tony, I'm Brad the Blind Kid, whatever. Right. And then uh, he just goes, wait, you're the blind dude that can land laser flips. Right. I'm like, oh, (laughs) 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 and I gave him a T-shirt, like a TBK shirt. We got a. we got a picture and it was like for a Quicksilver thing. I'm pretty sure a sports check. And I just got him to hold my shirt up in front of him for the picture.
0: <laughs> yep. And yep. Uh, Very cool.
1: Yeah, that was really cool. And he was really nice. And then I got to skateboard. Uh, I was skateboarding in the parking lot before he did his big um, vert, vert show. Kind of a big half pipe in the parking lot he was skateboarding on. I got to be in the VIP part and it was just so cool. Such a cool experience.
0: That's awesome. And once again, like you said earlier, connections, you never know where connections <laughs> might lead. Right. <laughs> Very cool. Um, any other sports? I know you mentioned you, pre- you pretty much have not tried, like goalball, beatball, any kind of specific blind sports?
1: I've tried goalball. Pretty cool. Not for me. I don't know why. I've just never been a fan. Like, And this isn't any disrespect. I just have never been a big fan of adapted sports because I've played them sighted. And I just right. know that it's adapted. And I just kind of bugged me for a while i do think i'm gonna try and get into blind hockey because the canadian blind hockey team has been reaching out to me for a while and asking me to play and i'm i'm okay with that i think i think i might do that i think that'd be really cool i know mark i know matt those are two dudes who like run the the blind hockey teams and i think that'd be fun i think that'd be a cool one to do nothing else that's strictly blind i wouldn't mind trying blind or beat baseball that sounds kind of cool because it still sounds fast-paced um yeah, no, I, again, no, no, I just mostly skateboard. I went snowboarding with 25 blind people. Some of them went skiing, some of them went uh, the snow bike, but lots of us went snowboarding. And I, I snowboarded off of a cliff into a bunch of trees. It was in Colorado on the mountains at Winter Park by a guide. He was like, go right, go right. I'm like, I'm good. He's like, go right, I'm good. And I just flew off the edge of the cliff or literally like into a bunch of trees and dropped like eight feet into the powder. It was crazy it was fun i hyperextended both my knees so i had to like crawl out of there i lost a boot um i I rolled it down the hill though i made it back down the hill but i was done for the day that's for sure
0: oh yeah yep yeah so no it's skiing you're pretty much done then with with that skiing snowboarding
1: i did it you know like i'm cool i i don't i didn't enjoy it even very much when i could see it just wasn't really my style. Like, I was cool, it was awesome, but it's just not my style. And all my friends right. love snowboarding, but I, so I always went and I was able. I did a grind. I've done big air. I've done things like that. I've did a three sixty over an Olympic size jump, and that was when I couldn't see though. So that was pretty much where I wanted to call it. But I got the opportunity to go snowboarding in Colorado, so I'm like, well, yeah. And uh, <laughs> then I flew off the cliff. So I'm like, I think I'm good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm
1: calling it <laughs> <laughs> broke my jaw broke my nose and all that crazy stuff skateboarding but you can't tear me away from it but snowboarding i was that was one that wasn't uh wasn't painful to quit
0: right right And obviously yeah. you got to be in, in certain environments have enough snow versus skateboarding is a little more flexible i'm sure as yeah. far as when you can do it and where
1: definitely can be like you would be hard-pressed to find an indoor snowboard park you know <laughs> but i do live For in sure. vancouver which is right beside three mountains so like there's four mountains or something like that so
0: yo yo
1: i'm i'm i'm, I'm good though i'm good on that <laughs> i go to the arcade for my basketball fix
0: <laughs> nice yo <laughs> yo <laughs> yeah
1: so what about you do you i guess you're just asking me a bunch of questions and i haven't let you say more than three words what do you do do you snowboard do you skateboard do you what sports are you in
0: so beat baseball is my main sport oh that's, that's cool do you really know nick silver i know the name yo
1: yeah, he's my boy in uh, Saint Louis. Uh, he's the only one I know on the beat baseball circuit, so I didn't know if it was a big, big thing. So tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, so it's I have played in some World Series around the country here in the U.S. and it's yeah. So I mean, it is an adapted form of baseball. Um, so the ball beeps, the bases buzz.
1: Oh, the and, bases uh, buzz. That's cool
0: yeah so yeah that and it's just sense. first and third base also there's no second so you have to run to either first or third whichever one is buzzing after you hit the ball and then hit the base to get a run and then if the fielder catch it, or picks up the ball i should say they usually don't catch it on a rare occasion they do but that's
1: gangster when they do I bet. then you're out yeah yeah but it yeah.
0: is definitely fast-paced when you're you know either diving for the ball or running to that base
1: that's so cool and you actually have to hit the ball while it's flying at you like that's 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 how that part works. oh yeah Okay, that's yo, cool. That's yo. cool. Yeah, Is the picture
0: sighted? Yes. Okay. there have been some <laughs> visually impaired ones.
1: <laughs> well, it's a good question, because, you know, I know a lot of blind people that be like, no, 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 I can do it, I'm independent. Then it's like, yeah, that's another walk. Yeah, right. that's another walk. <laughs> and another hope walk. their
0: shoulder's okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Incredible.
0: But the, yeah, there have been some cases of some visually impaired, and you know, they like they do have enough usable vision. Yeah, you to pitch, you know, accurately enough. So
1: <laughs> kind of like with beep, uh, with a uh, blind hockey, you gotta have the goalies are blacked out masks, but the centers and and right wing, left wing are more like the offense are more like uh, more sighted kind of thing. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. yup that's cool. But yeah, there, there is a team, uh, I don't know if they're still around, but the Toronto Blind Jays have sometimes <laughs> played in the World Series.
1: <laughs> that makes sense. I like that name, but yeah, no, that's very, very far from me.
0: Far, that's close yeah, to where on I used the other to side. live, but
1: still quite a bit further from me.
0: Sure. Yeah. As far as uh, BC and that area there, I'm not really sure. But
1: uh, BC is pretty much California. Like, If you're going to picture where you, uh, where you are to where I am, imagine where you are to California, and I'm straight north.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. That's a hike. West
1: Coast. So, yeah, like I'm, I can go to the ocean. That's how close I am to the West Coast. I'm on it. Right. And then uh, Toronto is right in the middle, so that'd be like further east than North Dakota. I'm just going with the places I remember. So, like, I I used to live right above North Dakota, and then whatever is east of that is closer to Toronto.
0: Oh, I see gotcha
1: yeah so honestly you're probably closer to toronto than i am
0: (laughs) crazy to think but i think you're right
1: (laughs) yeah 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 and then uh all of that kind of just turned into me not liking team sports so doing it all by myself and with skateboarding and then that's kind of what moved into music is hip-hop and skateboarding hand in hand you know
0: for sure yeah and great transition definitely want to you know just talk to talk to you initially here about like your inspiration behind getting into music and rapping and what age would you say you kind of, you know, found that niche?
1: Music kind of came like, I loved attention, Kayla. I'm not going to lie to you. I love attention. And even when I stopped, uh, when I went out of high school, when I was in high school, but after I went blind, I started doing motivational speaking. That's where I learned I loved the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do it for high schools and stuff. Like I'd have a 500 people while I was in between my own classes and I had to go back to my school, but that was amazing. And I, that's where I learned that I love crowds. So that's the inspiration for that. After that it kind of after the crowds and me knowing I want to perform something, it was emotions. I know it sounds super corny, but like, and how it always starts with a a girl or something like that and a heartbreak. But I was just sitting there freestyling with a friend one time and I didn't even know that freestyling was a thing. I just was so pent up with emotions. I just started saying words that rhymed and were in a row and had a little bit of a melody to it. And he's like, Oh, what song was that? And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you got to focus on that, I think. So it jumped forward a few years. I just loved music, was studying it kind of thing. Not like studying it, like learning it. I just mean like listening to a lot of it, figuring out how the vocals work, how people say things, why it works, why it sounds good. And then just really got into making my own music, trying to and trying to just write verses, met a couple people here and there and uh, made songs with them. They taught me a couple things. Like I just learned a lot in the beginning through a friend, Nucky, Nucky JMC. He taught me a bunch of stuff. We used to just kind of sit in the garage together and throw beats on through a broken speaker and just freestyle to that. Uh, I recorded some things, but then um, I came out to Vancouver, or I moved out to Kamloops, sorry, which is in the middle of BC, went to Vancouver, record a couple of songs with just random people really made it back to Winnipeg for a concert, ended up meeting this dude who was opening up for the guy. I came to back to Winnipeg for the concert for, he ends up being a producer named sketch Williams, him and I, and my buddy Brock at the time started making a ton of music together, made an album day. We finished the album sketch comes up and he's like, get in the car boys. We're going on tour. And we ended up having like three or four or five shows booked and that's when I got the bug, the real bug for just wanting to do music that way. And whether it was recording, whether it was performing, anything, I just loved it. And so the inspiration just came from that. And I just kept making music, dude. It couldn't, You couldn't keep me away from just lyrics is all I loved. And I met a lot of people out here in BC that were like-minded, so we started doing that. I couldn't do it in Manitoba anymore. I stayed there for a few years, but... not gonna lie i lived in winnipeg and if you're not making gangster rap you shouldn't be on a stage was the mentality and i'm gonna tell you right now greg i wasn't making i wasn't making gangster rap i made songs for the ladies and that's just kind (laughs) of how i always have been you know it's all about love love and skateboarding
0: (laughs) (laughs) great pairing great marriage right (laughs) yeah
1: exactly and like. My my buddy asked me one time, he's like, or told me, he's like, ask me why I make music. I'm like, why do you make music? He's like, for the ladies. And ever since then, I'm like, okay, cool. Now I don't feel so stupid. Because when I was in Winnipeg, again, everyone just loved making gangster music. And I'm like, I don't, I can't vibe with this. I got on a couple stages, but it got to the point where they didn't like me at the shows because. They were, people were leaving after I got off the stage. And it's not because it's because they were fulfilled or they did, didn't think there's going to be any more gangster rap. So <laughs> either way, I, I didn't get put on too many shows after that. So I moved out to BC, started doing more shows, ended up re- making my first solo single called by the ocean. And it was literally about my first time in California. That one I told you about where I uh, was with Taylor and we were, I, I just told my whole story I went to, about going to Santa Monica, about, being in Venice Beach, meeting Cali Strong, the skate company, the the county fair, all that just told my whole story, and about my first time. Ironically though, I wrote it in Nova Scotia, which is the east coast of Canada. I recorded it in Vancouver, and I shot the music video in L.A. and mm. <laughs> it came out uh, August twenty first, two thousand eighteen. And that was my first solo single. And like before it came out, I sent it to a couple of my sponsors I was working with at the time. Like I had a smartwatch sponsor called Sunu Watch, and it's a watch for blind people that does everything haptically. Pretty cool yeah, concept. Yeah, I did have
0: one. At oh, one did point. you? Yep. Yeah, it was did you get pretty it neat. Marco,
1: or did you buy it?
0: Uh, I got it as a gift, so I think directly through the company.
1: Oh, that's so cool! Yeah, so those are my guys, and um. I did my music video and a commercial for them on the same weekend. And anyways, I sent it to him and a couple other people. He texts me back immediately. Hey, can I send this to people? I'm like, it's my first song. I don't care. Yeah, sure. And he sends it to, he emails me again. And he's like, can I give Stevie Wonder's producer your phone number? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And I was in LA at the time. I'm pretty sure that that, that, that happened. And I'm like, ah. Uh, and he's like, okay, okay, cool. And then, like 20 minutes later, I get a call from Stevie's producer. He's like, hey, how's it going? It's Lamar. I'm like, good. What's up? He's like, this Stevie Wonder's producer. I'm like, okay. Yeah. He's like, do you, uh, Stevie heard your song and says he wants me to do a project with you. You want to do a project with me? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so we ended up doing, um, I ended up flying back down there about a year later to work on a few songs, we ended up doing a few songs. And then uh COVID happened again. I was tr- going to go back there, but then COVID happened and I had to fly back a little while later. And in all this time, I'm doing shows all over Vancouver and I'm just recording songs, with my friends having fun. I'm not blowing up. I'm not doing anything. None of that's happening. Still haven't. Woohoo. But I um I've just I was just having a lot of fun making music, performing cuz that's what I fell in love with was the crowd. And when I went back down to LA, The last time, because the first time I went down there, it was to do the album with Stevie, this guy, uh, Lamar. And we went, uh, we we did a bunch of songs. I just remember being in the studio, in the booth, no air conditioning, Crenshaw Boulevard. And he just goes, hey, yo, come out of the booth, kid. That was hot. I'm like, all right, come get some air. I'm like, all right, all right. I'm no shirt on because it's sweaty. I'm just sweatpants, a chain on my wrist and a toque because, well, and... For those Americans, a toque is a beanie. <laughs> and then I walk out of the booth and I get into the studio room and it's hot boxed, which means he was smoking cannabis until there's nothing left in the room, but smoke, no more air. And, uh, which is what he said. Come <laughs> out and get some air, but <laughs> I come out. He's like, Hey, hit some of this and sit down and listen to what you did. And I'm like, okay. So we do that. We listen to it. It was so cool. And that song is now coming out next month, but I think it might be a month away from today. Today's the 15th. I think it might be the 15th. Um, yeah, so I did that song. I did another, I did like two or three more songs the first time I was down there. Some of them half finished. I came back down this time, like last year. I went, stayed down for like a month and a half. And it was, oh my God, it was a journey. I'm not going to lie. We got, Scammed out of an Airbnb thing. Not Airbnb, but like we tried to rent an apartment for a month. Got scammed out of that for 5K. Mm. Yep, that was a good start. Went down (laughs) there, end up in... And that was a dope place on Venice Beach, hot tub and enough beds to fit everyone coming. Yeah, we had to get downgraded as of the day before we left to a place in Inglewood for $6,500. And if you don't know LA, Venice Beach is... much nicer place than Inglewood. And uh, so we stay in Inglewood and this place had much less beds. We had three, sp- three places to sleep instead of like five. So I'm sharing a bed. The, two other dudes are sharing a bed and one dude on the couch. And oh man. And I, it took like three weeks for Lamar to answer me and hit me back. So then I end up finally in his studio Recorded a few more songs, ended up having to pay him a bunch of money. And, but we got a crazy cool product out of it. I had like eight songs written, we ended up with four. <laughs> and, uh, God, I wrote some songs while some other songs while we were there. You know, I got to meet a lot of really cool people. I went barefoot skateboarding down Venice Beach again with some, which is something I do every single time I'm in LA. And the Inglewood skate park, which was a walk away from our house, was so cool. So I'm honestly gonna count that a blessing in disguise that we lost the first place because I loved that park. Except for when I was working on a board slide, a really long board slide on a rail for like over an hour, so the shadow moved that I was using and i missed the rail and went straight face to the concrete while live on tiktok and like my for- my face bounced off the concrete like you see the bounce in the video and we got like two separate angles so we got one guy on live and then my other buddy just filming and then you just see his video go black and just hear him running are you okay and my other buddy just stayed back and filmed it cuz he knew someone was checking on me so we got it all 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 on video <laughs> and uh, wow it's a, it's a pretty, you can hear the bounce in my face. It's intense. And <laughs> <laughs> so that was a great skate too, though. But when I met, or when I was working down there this time, I finished the product and now it's coming out on December 15th. And I've just always wanted to release an album on December 15th. I've been working on it for years to try and do that. Cause I don't know, I always just see big albums come out on December 15th. And this year it turns out it's going to be a Friday and that's a good day to release albums or music in general so it's coming out that day and i'm very excited
0: very cool right before christmas can't beat that either right
1: i've also got a christmas song coming out completely unrelated
0: (sighs) gotcha (laughs) it's all about
1: wanting a girl with a big butt for christmas Ooh, ooh. inspirational
0: right can't can't beat that right (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yep. So that's that's the story about the whole music with Stevie Wonder's producer for, with Lamar and all my friends came down. We had all my friends on the studio with us. I was was really cool experience because I got to like be like you know what I don't want to sing this hook, you guys sing it, and like they did, and like I can't play this guitar, you do it. You know, just things like that. It was really neat. Got to be a collaborative unit and turned into this really nice R and B hip hop style track or EP, and it's all clean. It's all very radio. And I got it mixed and mastered by a motorheads engineer. His name's Renee. He's my boy. He lives here in Vancouver, but he is like worldwide. It's just a really cool process to finally have something like, even if it is the last thing I ever put out, which I don't think it will be, but I'm just saying like, if it was to be, I would be proud of it. And that's a cool thing to think of because not many people are happy with their music when they're done with it.
0: For sure. Yep. Should have done this, should have done that. Yeah. You know, but yeah. it's in the moment and you, you did your best, right?
1: Yep. yep. <laughs> and I, But now it's kind of resorted back to like, I do things backwards. All right. I went all the way from starting to make music and go, jumping right to a nice producer, then jumping straight to working with Stevie Wonder's producer to now I'm recording my closet, which is usually how people start. <laughs> I literally skipped the closet thing and went straight to like everything else and then now i'm back in the closet that sounds terrible i'm trapped in the closet like r kelly i'm kidding i'm not so i'm in the but like i'm back recording in a booth i made out of my closet and like i literally just have the corner padded out with acoustic paneling a shower rod across the door with a blanket hanging on it and some led strips like i went right back to like the beginning
0: (laughs) you never know yep Now, do you actually do like editing, mixing, all that yourself as well?
1: I don't do any of that myself. I just write the lyrics and lay them down. I've got, uh, my friends are too good at that. I've got really talented friends. So my friends are too good at that for me to almost find it worth it to spend the time to learn it and do it. Like I've got blind friends who can do that. And it's incredible absolutely mind-blowing know. and some of them they skateboard as well i have a song with them called nikes for my chucks that's my boy atreyu on there he's blind and skates but he's also mixing mastering producing rapping he's unreal though i just don't my wow. friends are so talented i don't feel like i should and i have more fun doing this and i'm doing it for fun so he's doing it to change the world he's going to be inspirational. he is inspirational but he's going to be like one of those guys that inspires masses he's so 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 talented
0: wow wow might have to have him on this podcast too
1: i I can get him on the podcast for sure easily you'd love to
0: nice yeah that's awesome
1: what kind of music do you listen to what do you like
0: uh pop usually a lot of pop stuff some rock a little hip-hop not as much but i did check out some of your stuff and i I do kind of dig it
1: nice yeah i figure you'd like pink lemonade if you like the pop stuff or save me or don't make sense those are my more major keyed ones that really happy and real pop and pink lemonade has a female vocalist on it my new stuff coming out you'll probably like a higher i am it's very pop and oh baby the other two are a little more low end or like like that but i also make country rock music that leans more hmm. to the rock side of things uh oh, i got cool. one yeah it's like the most fun music to make i think like i make everything just because it's fun I don't care what genre I'm sitting in. If I'm, gonna, if I'm hearing something and I think I could do something with it and it sounds like it's going to be fun, that's what I'm going to do. So tomorrow I actually have a studio session in the morning where I'm going to be making this uh, rock song called Don't Grow Up. And it's a voice I've never used before. It's like, just like super rock, super like Chad Kroger. That's the best way to put it. Chad Kroger mixed with like Chad, um, Chris Stapleton.
0: Yep yep nice
1: <laughs> yeah it's fun. I'm excited and like they got guitar solos on it, and that's just so cool.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, very cool yeah and I'm curious, uh, I know you've been involved in some other things as far as like philanthropy and anything else you want to mention.
1: yeah, absolutely. I'd love to talk about that. I was uh nominated for an international humanitarian award when I was twenty, and it was such a cool experience because at that time i was getting emails fairly often from cool cool opportunities and i lots lost of them didn't follow through because well there's a lot going on i couldn't make it can do this or it was fake or lots of it was fake but i just remember telling my mom i'm like hey mom i got nominated for an international humanitarian award and she's like oh cool i'm like oh i'm bringing you with me so we ended up flying because she was so used to it being fake. Right. So she's like, oh, cool. OK, I hope this works out for him. He's got it. like she in her head. She's probably like, oh, man, I can't. I wouldn't be able to handle it if this went wrong again. Or if this was another fake on Poor Brett. I don't know. I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. But I'm like, oh, you're coming with me. So we ended up it ended up being real. I mom and I ended up flying out to Calgary for a day and we got put in limos. I did tons of photo shoots. I, it was called the Viger Awards and it was really, really cool. We, my mom had to wear a dress for like 11 hours and she's a redneck. So that, that, that worked. <laughs> um, <laughs> I ended up getting there. I had no speech written and they told me I had to have a speech written and I'm like, uh oh. And I get into the, on up onto the stage. Finally, they call me up. They're running behind by hours. And I get up on the stage and they end up telling everyone, no speeches, no speeches. Before I get up there, like, don't worry, guys, no speeches. I they call me up. I get up there and they hand me the mic. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, You said no. Okay. Thank you, everybody. I just want to thank blah 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 blah. They hand me the award, put it in my hand, and it's like this glass statue, which was way heavier than I was expecting. And I almost <laughs> dropped it. <laughs> Oh dang. <laughs> while on stage and I got introduced by like four kids. Like everyone else is getting like really cool intros. And mine was probably the coolest because these four kids literally like started choking up while they're introducing me because they're just so like heart touched, but their hearts were touched. Cause what my what my philanthropy is, I guess I should have started with that. <laughs> is <laughs> I give visually impaired students iPads to help them with school, but I do it like super sneaky and i just collect donations or or i raise my own money or i had a clothing line for a while where i donated money from my clothing line to my foundation i do fundraisers i do shows anything to get money towards my found my fund foundation and i go out i buy an ipad a keyboard a smart cover whatever the basics are for an ipad nowadays and i go and find a blind kid this sounds so weird i go blind kid hunting i have to call like the manager or the education board for disabilities i find everybody i have to talk to and find a blind kid so when i find the blind kid i call their mom i get their mom's number or mom or dad's number or parental unit's number and i call them i'm like hey i'm the blind kid i'm they're like no my kid's a blanket kid. i'm like yeah they're a blind kid i'm trademarked i'm sorry i'm like but <laughs> i'm like but does your kid have an ipad to help them with school or any accessibility software they're like no we have a family one but it's not for their school or something like that right or no we don't i try to find somebody who's been in a similar situation as myself blind around their teenage years um and in a lower maybe not that well off can't really afford everything the kid wants to help or can help them with anything like that so i'm just like okay, don't tell them, but I'm gonna give them one tomorrow. And then I call the school, I make sure I can get into the school, like they'll let me into the class. I go to the class and I just knock on the door, I ask for the kid, like, hey, is this person here? I'm like, they're like, yeah, I'm like, where are you? I walk back to them, I give them an iPad and all the stuff, I'm like, hey, this is for you to help you with school, I gotta go. And then I just split, like, I just leave. And uh, that's how I do it, and the, They're very self-explanatory and they've got TAs and EAs that'll help them how to use it. I tell the TAs how to use it too sometimes, but that's kind of how it goes. I just do that and I leave. And I'm not going to lie to you, Greg. I think over the next few times I do this, I'm going to dress up in like a clown costume or a mime costume or one of those big inflatable T-Rexes and just like walk in, give it to them and leave. So all of their friends have to be like, no, I swear to God, it was a (laughs) giant dinosaur that blind that gave you that
0: right that's amazing
1: yeah that's how i do that and then so that's what the philanthropy is for that's why the kids were kind of choking up while they were talking about my giving me my intro and i did that i got a bunch of photo shoots with it me and my mom went back home and now it my trophy sits on my my awards sits on my mom's mantle and I, i never got any awards or trophies or medals for any sports but i sure as heck got that one
0: that's awesome yeah wow and do you know like account of how many iPads you've given out?
1: Not as many as I would have liked so far to be real. I wish it was more, but for, I took a little bit of a stint of not getting much donations and stuff like that. So right now I'm sitting at four, but I have one in the, in my room right now, ready to give away. And this is what I mean by a, it's hard to go blind kid hunting. I went, I've been calling. I got one lady looking for me. Her name is Peggy. Shout out to Peggy, but I need to get, it's iPad out before it gets out of date, really. Um, but yeah, so if you're from Vancouver and you're blind, call me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm looking for kids right now. And then as soon as that one gets out, I'm going to try to organize a fundraiser um, for like January or February and do a big old, uh, big old fundraiser, sports bar thing, have a door prize, maybe have a band or something, and just try and raise a bunch of money and buy more iPads and keep that going all year I want to just try and get more iPads get back I'm getting back into motivational speaking it's just yeah I was away from the school industry for a while education uh, industry for a while
0: right I'm sure COVID you know had an effect on that like everything else
1: it sure did I can't just show up to somebody's house (laughs) (laughs) here's your iPad shh I had to call your mom to see if I could come in (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i gotta go no i don't want any coffee thanks <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome no, honestly that's a super cool endeavor and i'm sure those kids had, you know pretty big smiles on their faces and, and will in the future too
1: yeah i hope so i hope it's something they they, they use and utilize because that's how why i started it is when i went blind my mom's work friends came together and gave me enough money to buy an ipad and it helped me with school. I st- I drew my first clothing line logo on there. I wrote my first music on there. Like just everything. It it, it changed who I was. Technically, it made me realize that I, I'm a. I want to be a brand. I want to be able to ch- share. I want a voice. I want to be a brand so I can have a voice so I can help people. And right. this is how I help people. You know, I do. I do. I do it my way, Frank Sinatra style. You know
0: exactly great quote great song
1: he's wonderful (laughs) he's one of my favorites him and mac nice um yeah no it's it's all about just helping people and i know i know throughout my life i'm supposed to have a voice and i'm supposed to do something with it and i know is lots of it has to do with just motivating it's like hey man like I, i went blind at 16 right away gone done and we still do it you know we're still doing everything we can out here and I just want that to be something that gets remembered or utilized by other blind people. And it's like, hey, dude, it sucks. No one likes the hand of cards they're dealt. Like, tri- uh, quick quick fact, no one gets a good hand of cards. It may look like people do, but they're hiding their bad cards. You know, like no one gets a good deal of cards. So you just got to love the cards you got and at least know how figure out how to use them.
0: Great advice. Yep. That's Goodness, how I going have said it better myself.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, to wrap up here, just wanted to give you the chance to mention uh, your website, social media, how people can find your music. Anything else you want to mention?
1: Oh, like hot ones. I got thirty seconds. Your camera's there, 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 and there. Okay. Cool. Oh God. Ah, my mouth is hot. Okay. Okay. Um. <laughs> so, if you want to check out my YouTube channel, my Spotify. uh Those two are TBK, the Blind Kid. Pretty much, you look up the Blind Kid anywhere, you'll find me. Um. Which I, I realize more often when I'm on like visually impaired people's things, or I'm talking to blind people. I sound like such a dink when I'm like, "Oh yeah, I look up the blind kid." I'm blind too. Yeah, but I'm the. <laughs> uh, so, I feel like such a, such a loser. So, but check out the blind kid TBK anywhere: Spotify, YouTube, Instagram. Brett, the blind kid. Uh, on my website is theblindkidtbk.com. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's it. Check out my Facebook page, Brett the Blind Kid Devlo, TikTok, The Blind Kid, Twitter, The Blind Kid. You'll find me anywhere, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Like it was on Twitter slash X where you hit me up and yeah. made that connection. So really appreciate you reaching out.
1: Oh no, thank you for being there. This is amazing what you do. You get you 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 pretty much make it so everyone no one has to go to a motivational speech you can just scroll through your 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 (laughs) podcast and just literally hear be motivated listen to all the people on here like it's amazing i listened to the dart throwers that was sick and the skiers that was awesome like you get amazing people on here you do a great thing by getting people involved and connected and spreading people's story to the world that deserves to hear it because you know what There's a lot of bull out there right now. There's a lot of terrible, terrible things. I haven't been on Facebook in weeks because you can't open it without seeing something sad. I follow comedians on Twitter, and that's the only reason I keep that. You know, the world is not a great place right now, and you're doing a wonderful thing by making this available for people. So thank you.
0: Hey, that means a lot, Brett. Really, really appreciate those words, man. And uh, yeah, just wanted to thank you as well for coming on. This has been a ton of fun appreciate the laughs appreciate the the great stories you love your energy your passion so thank you again
1: 100 percent. and if you want to find me hit me on twitter i'm just kidding <laughs> sound mad lame um thank you so much i i'll talk to you another time and i'll hit you on twitter and we'll hang out again
0: awesome sounds good already thanks cool. again man To hear more episodes of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast and to subscribe, search for Eyes Free Sports on your favorite podcast platform or visit eyesfreesports.com. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports Podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.